0: At your peace world, it's the love king of R&B, Raheem Divine. And this is the Q Chat. Keep it locked right here. Uh-huh. Kesme. She's a
1: queen. This is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies. She's a queen. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the key chat podcast today my special guest is singer recording artist and dancer and he does plenty more that we're going to discuss but his name is Law and Law has a lot of things going on he has a new album and he's worked with a lot of people from Amy Winehouse he's open for Rihanna Bruno Mars I mean I have a whole list of people we're going to talk about so I'm going to stop running my mouth and give him the floor how are you doing today?
0: How you doing? I'm blessed to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I'm
1: blessed to talk with you. Like I said, I was looking through your stuff and I only like hit the surface. Okay, so I want to like let you talk about your background. I know you come from a musical family. I mean, there's so many parts we can start on right now. So I'll just start off with how long have you been in the industry?
0: Um. Well, I mean, if you look at it from the greatest of mathematician concepts, <laughs> I think um, I would definitely. I started in this industry when I was five. It's a family business, so um, growing up in it at such an early age and being involved by the time I was seven, you know, whether it was singing in my grandmother's church and um, performing with my mother, you know, a lot of her after gigs with some of her famous funk friends from the era that was producing some of the greatest music of that time in the early '80s and things like that. So um, I would say roughly a little bit over 25 years, if you count those years, definitely.
1: Wow. And I know you said you come from a musical family. Can you go on their history
0: in the music industry? Oh, absolutely. Um, my incredible mother, Sandra Taylor, um, first place at Apollo Theater's Amateur Night, 86. Um, my legendary uncle, um, Bobby Taylor, rest in peace. Um, 13-time Apollo Theater winner. Um, mm-hmm. But the most notorious, the two most notorious members of my family, um, Cheryl Pepsi-Riley, my cousin, the legendary, um, Tyler Perry, thanks to my child, you know, bad vocalist to boot. And um my legendary grandfather, Sam Bluesman Taylor, um, known for his work with um 70s funk group, BT Express, Etta James, Aretha Franklin, um Big Joe, Big Joe Um Lewis, like the whole like he worked with some of so many different artists from B.B. King to Albert King, and um and just the list goes on. So he's the he's the ultimate rock star of our family. So
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so music is just in your blood so how many instruments do you play like I mean was the house filled with music was it instilled in you to because some people from musical backgrounds sometimes they don't want their kids to follow in those steps but was it just Mm -hmm. always instilled in you
0: it was definitely from a spiritual aspect it it was instilled in me because um, from what I remember myself my mother always told me she said that even at two or three years old she said well he's even going to be an athlete because he can't keep still, which I, you know, which I, I ended up doing a bit of athleticism during my, my high school years and junior high school years. or he's going to be a singer because he's always humming something, he's always singing something. So that's part of it spiritually, yeah. But the thing was, you know, with, with me and, and some of my other siblings and my cousins, it wasn't forced upon us. You know, we had options. You know, they, they, I think they just enjoyed the moment of us being kids and enjoying life and just kind of seeing what life has to offer. In those particular um in that particular era but um some of us gravitated more towards to it some of us knew that we had it and never bothered to, to do anything with it so of course i was definitely the person that kind of ran to it more so. so they didn't have to force me like my mother said she can leave me she could do a show most kids wouldn't sit still and be running around everywhere she said i can leave lawrence right there and lawrence will literally sit there for the whole hour, just mesmerized by the bass player, the guitar player, and just, you know, he knew. So hearing that from my mother, it just made a lot more sense. So there was always stuff around the house and because of everybody's history in the game, who I mentioned earlier, um, Mm -hmm. there's always records, there's record players, there's eight tracks, there's cassettes, there's instruments. It was always, you know, my my family's pretty arts, still hood, but definitely um, (laughs) in terms of like, you know, Things that we wanted to get involved in, everything was right there. We didn't have to go too far to find what we were looking for musically. Mm-hmm.
1: How many instruments do you play? Um, seven. Okay, okay. What, what instruments are
0: they? Um, guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, um, xylophone, harmonica, and I play a little bit of a cello, just a little bit.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. okay that is absolutely amazing so did you always want to like be like out there or did you want to work behind the scenes and create the music or did you have like a combination of
0: both like did you want to perform too combination of both mm-hmm. you know I-, mm-hmm. I i love to perform i, I was i was a sh- i was what you call a show out baby most kids are usually reserved and and shy not me i i, I just really i was a kind of person you-, you give me a microphone and I'm either say something that's going to get me in trouble or I'm going to say something that's going to be like, I, I like that kid. He's great. I always wanted that. But then, of course, as, as I got older and I learned about the business at a very early age, you know, most people don't learn about the business until like their mid 20s or late 20s. And it's usually through trial and error where they end up being broken disappointment. So I'm fortunate in my 25 something years in this business, I don't I don't have that story. That's the one story I don't have. Mm-hmm. you know anything i got involved with or almost didn't get involved with is because so much knowledge from my grandfather and some of my mother's friends who were already out there like brass construction and crown heights affair and sky you know that that's the whole brooklyn funk r&b mm-hmm. era you know and i learned from all those guys because they were the one telling me lord whatever you do don't sell your publishing whatever you do keep it yeah. because they learned the hard way. a lot of them learned the hard yeah. about the mm-hmm. industry so um it all served a purpose. So being behind the scenes and being in front, and I love doing both. I mean, if babyface can do it, why can't
1: I? Yeah, yeah, you know? you're right. It's so crazy that you mentioned publishing because so many great artists, you know, have had that issue where someone else is profiting, you know, off their work. You know, and like they said, and show business, business is the bigger word you know the show so because you have that background because you like you see your mom's friends and of course all these legends that you mentioned that you're related to that any of them like you mentioned that but but that definitely influenced you beforehand to know like the business side because like you said some people don't realize that part they want to perform you know which i get it but they don't realize the whole business thing and i've heard like some terrible things actually about the industry the music industry in particular (laughs) So what's some of the most common mistakes you think that maybe some people who aren't, you know, knowledgeable and they may not have had the the privilege of having some people that they can really lean on and discuss that they may fall into?
0: Well, first and foremost is having your own lawyer, because what happens is that, see, I'm I'm, going to get deep for a second. You got to remember, look, let's take hip hop for instance. Now, as much as I feel about the current wave of of what's happening and different things, I always take it back to 20 years ago because you got to remember, they had this little clause about, oh, well, if he's past 35 or 40, he shouldn't be rapping. Says who? If that's the case, everybody should stop doing whatever they love to do. But the reason why I learned that they didn't want that is because the younger the artist is, the more dumb they appear to be. So you take a young kid out the hood, think about it. Take a young, little babies, a whole bunch of littles and babies now, little, youngs and babies. Take a whole bunch of those guys out the hood that absolutely know nothing. All they see is what they see on TV every day. I could do that. I got swag. I could do that. I could do that. And that's why we have so many carbon cops. You can't tell these people apart in the lineup anymore because they all, Mm -hmm. if they all look alike because it becomes a cloning process Because you take somebody from the hood, whether it's Memphis, Third Ward in New Orleans, D.C., take anybody from any part of the hood and you dangle money in their face. If it's more than that kid has ever seen in his lifetime at that point, what do you think he's going to do? Yeah. He's going to bite the bait because he's thinking about his mother. And his father that probably struggled, didn't have nothing, grew up, didn't have, a lot of those, rap, I mean, it, it was more, it was more cliche in a good way back then. But now we're seeing an influx of artists who are getting into rap only to get into more trouble. The whole purpose of hip hop was to escape the streets, to not mm. be in the game, to save your life. Now, I mean, in the last couple of months, we've lost about seven to eight rappers. Yeah. Think about it. So the thing is, the business aspect is why these things happen, too, because Mm -hmm. the games that they play in this industry, when it comes to your publishing, owning your masters and knowing what it is, because a lot of them, the powers that be, they still maintain this kind of control Mm -hmm. over the younger artists to where now you can't do it without us. See, the Internet was a great thing because the Internet changed the game on so many different levels. Right. We showed them we didn't need you. So if you notice it, remember, you we we can go back a little bit. The record label industry hated the internet at first.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if
0: you know that. They hated it. But look at them now. Look at the last 10, 15 years. What's the old phrase? You can't beat them, join them. Right. So now labels have moved in. It's like, okay, so what are we going to do? Let's have your publisher. But guess what? We're going to do it. We're gonna, we're gonna, oh, I got an idea. Let's create a 360 deal. Mm-hmm. That way we get everybody, a piece of everything that our artists do. Merch, publishing, endorsements—we get a piece of all that. That's how mm-hmm. they set you up. Because now they, when they realize that that when they realize that you can do it without them, they're gonna pour it on real thick. They're going to make. They're gonna try to persuade you in every possible way on why you should sign with them. And it seems enticing because, of course, these labels still have a lot of money. So you're thinking mm-hmm. more so about how could I do and how could I maneuver through this. And then more people lose hope. And this is how you have a lot of young artists that. That get depressed. I mean, how many times have we seen the last few years? Who's this girl? Um, Summer Walker. I think her name is Summer Walker. Mm -hmm, Uh Yeah. Remember Mm -hmm. a lot of these girls was talking about retiring and shit like that when they were talking about. Because the thing is that when you realize this is another reason why I learned very early in the game not to envy anybody. When I learned about Mm -hmm. how cold-blooded this business can be if you don't own your shit, yeah, this is what happens. See, I don't, I don't feel away. You know why? Because I own my masters. I'm independent. Nobody right. can sweep the rug from underneath my feet. Mm-hmm. And I'm booked all the way till 2024 with shows. so I don't need them for that. So that's, you know what I'm saying? When you have that right. kind of power, it's scary to some of those mm-hmm. people. Now, right. some of these younger guys or guys my age, they don't understand how that works because they're still blinded by the glamour, the glitch. We going to the BET Awards. Yeah, we turning up. We got money. We, we be putting money to our ears, like, like telephones and stuff. And that's all the facade to because even if that is your money, if you didn't invest your money and, and rap very quickly, here today, gone tomorrow, once that style of rap dies, respectfully speaking, your artistic style dies with it. Mm. So if you're not versatile or diverse, that's why I learned the game early. That's why I, I didn't limit myself. Right When hip hop came around, I was seven years old. After singing in church and singing at my mother's shows, I'm like, I like this rap stuff. I like mm-hmm. putting words together, making them rhyme. Something nice mm-hmm. about that. Right. And, before you knew it the same way I did with singing and playing guitar and stuff like that. I got nice on the mic. So it's like, put two and two together. And I was doing it at a time when it wasn't cool to do both. Mm. So thank God for the legendary force MDs. Jesse D, rest in peace. We just lost him a couple of yeah. weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I was close to both him and Kango Kid from UTFO, rest in peace. These wow. are the guys that pioneered the career that I have now, mm-hmm. UTFO said it in the song. Kango said, I could sing, rap, and dance in just one show. That's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he was telling you then, I'm versatile. Don't put me mm-hmm. in no box. Yeah, we are hip hop all day. And he was right. Because when UTFO broke up, Kango Kid was writing commercial genius. That's how he, mm-hmm. that's how he kept alive. Most mm-hmm. old awesome school rappers that didn't know how to change with the times or how to move. Like LL Cool J is the only one. <laughs> he was smart. LL knew how to reinvent himself. A lot of other artists at that time didn't know how to reinvent themselves. So long story short, without being long-winded, it's very important because if you don't understand the business and how to control and own your art, it's pointless at this point. Yeah. Pointless. And it's hard to tell somebody at 21 and 25 years old, they're not ready to listen and learn because... To somebody, it may be like, ah, what does he know? Oh, he, she used to be. I said, yeah, y'all looking at it from a star standpoint, because all you see is a television. Right. You don't see everything else that happens behind the scenes. I do. I've been there. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm not making right. this. stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Right.
1: That's some good, good, good knowledge. And, you know, so many legends really have been passing away. Obviously, that's the time that we live in. But just some true legends, like you mentioned, Forrest Indy, you know, the guy that just passed. It's, kind of, it's just crazy, you know, the people that's leaving. So I'm going to flip some of my questions up. Sure. how do you think you know musicianship for example because like i said i'm going to touch on some of the people that you've opened for and work for mm-hmm. one that stands out particular for me is bruno mars because bruno he sings he, yeah. dances, he produces, he plays all these different instruments and several questions i want to ask you just from that last segment Go for it. Go for it. but one is just about musicianship you know like you mentioned just having that versatility and i just think that and I'm a music head, you know, I just feel like sometimes like the newer generations, like you said, they do one thing, mm-hmm. but I grew up, you know, 70s, 80s R&B, 90s R&B, and people, like you mentioned, Babyface, people like that, were they weren't just singing, they were songwriting, but they were playing actual mu- actual instruments. instruments. Do you feel yeah. like there's a lack of musicianship, like with the newer generation that can just sit and play the drums, play the piano, you know, play the bass, just do different things, play the drum, you know, just... Is there
0: a lack of that? I wouldn't say there's a lack. There's just more. I think more so because of the flight of what we talked about earlier, this current wave. Even the R&B stuff is different now. It's not even, not all of it, but just the majority of what these young kids are into, they have the same singing pattern. Yeah. the same effect on their voice. Even the damn drum machine parts are the same. I'm just like, it sounds like the last one I just heard on the radio. So I think it's become even more microwave than it's already been. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's not so much the lack, is people who are not willing to put in the effort to try to learn an instrument, mm-hmm. or even not just an instrument, learn production so you can understand how instruments work. Right. You get know what I'm saying? So right. it, it has that, that smoke and mirror sort of, um, kind of effect in this type of conversation because, you know, Prince and Stevie Wonder are my top two heroes, and I don't think I have to say anything else. You see when I say that name, most people get in their feelings, because if you know anything about those two guys, and I ain't talking about just the hits, I'm talking about album cuts and live Mm. stuff and just a whole lot of stuff, they're in that plethora of those artists of those caliber, is what makes... The musicianship of what it's supposed to be and why we crave it so much so i don't never understand why a young kid can't even feel that emotion especially if he's if he or she's not being taught that's mm-hmm. why i thank god for for um for artists like her see yeah. that girl that girl ain't no joke she plays instruments. Mm-hmm. She play a i'm like oh she played bass too i said oh i, yeah. love, I, love, I love it from day one but that really made me fall in love with that that little girl mm-hmm. she's a beast and you know, and, and mind, you, she's not the only one. There's a few other people I can't be able the top of mm-hmm. my head right now that mm-hmm. actually do hold um the musicianship in a high esteem. But you're right, right. the majority of it is definitely not a lack, but it's not being promoted either. So it's a situation. Yeah.
1: Change. Yeah. girl. You got baby. I just think it's unfortunate because it's just I just noticed that he's different. You know, just in music in general, you know, Um, and something else you mentioned, of course, with the business side, like I interviewed Eric Robeson a few months ago, you know, and he's like, like they call him, he's the king of independent, you know, artistry. So how important is it? Do you you think a lot of young people, and I hate to keep dwelling on like the young artists, but (laughs) all the reasons because, you know, when you just look at the difference in like the past and now, you just can't help but, you know, point them out. Do you think, like, a lot of the younger people, they're just unaware of the benefits of being an independent artist? Because, like, I was asking him, like, what did he find the benefits to be? And, of course, he's like, you know, he doesn't have to go upstairs, you know, to get approval for certain things, which I can imagine. You know, you have more control. Do you think some kids just aren't aware that, hey, there is another... Like, of I Of course. Boy, I believe he said he's independent, just from interviews I've heard
0: with him, you know, not 90% of them, 90%, I would say, is unaware, but there's a reason for that, because like I said mm-hmm. earlier, Yeah. I learned because look who my family is, and then even when I wasn't around my family, I've always been an inquisitive person in terms of knowledge, wisdom, and research, because knowledge is power, but mm-hmm. knowledge doesn't mean nothing unless you apply. it. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, at 15, 14, I was already reading um the whole encyclopedias. I'm learning musical terminology. I'm learning um, okay, what is this? What is mechanical royalties? What's different from between mechan- mechanical royalties and your regular royalties? Like what I'm learning this stuff. Then I'm in the studios learning about production. And even though I'm an engineer, I could tell the engineer what I want and he would understand me. Mm-hmm. So this is the things that I took liberty. A lot of my friends didn't want to do stuff like that. All the ones want to just rap, 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 get in the booth, rap, rap, rap. Let's go, go in the booth. So go in the booth. And I don't like that, too, but I was always interested. You know, while everybody was studying Eazy-E, who I love, I was studying mm-hmm. Dr. Dre. So, because Dr. Dre understood what those things meant in terms right. of sound quality. Think about mm-hmm. it. He went from being the world's greatest hip-hop producer, to some people, depending on who you ask, yeah. to owning the headphones that we all use now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? And people are like, right. Right. listen... It doesn't get more in tune with where he is than that, because to go from producing sonics and creating. So I just think that um, ninety percent are unaware because they're not doing the knowledge, because all they see is what's on the internet, social media. You can't possibly know what freedom means if you're looking at social media every day and you're seeing somebody and you're looking at them like, oh, I can rap, I can rap, I can rap. No, everybody can't rap. That's why you see a lot of guys be like. I said, if, if that's rap, then grits ain't groceries. <laughs> because, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I laugh because I'm just like, this is your perception of what you think rap is. I don't care what type of title you put on it. If I right. can't understand what you're saying, it's not rap to me. Right. You got to be a little bit more clever than that for, to get my attention. Now Everybody else would be like, oh, that's hot. That's, 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 that's.
1: Right. Okay.
0: If, if, if you say so. <laughs> mm. But that's the whole point. a a kid between the ages of 15 let's say 14 between 14 and 25 unless they're being raised by a family like mine
1: Mm -hmm. or unless
0: they're inquisitive like me in terms of wanting the very best of what the industry has to offer and learning the ins and outs it's not a lack of anything it's more so because of what they're used to Mm -hmm. and that's all you see that's why why did tiktok so popular Somebody puts a dumbass dance on TikTok, next thing you know, it's 25 million people trying to do a challenge. Right, right. I call it, I call it modern day slavery. That's my opinion, but... Yeah.
1: You know, I, monkey,
0: monkey see, monkey do, and I use that term literally. Right, right. Oh, I, you do that, guess what? You're going you're to get over 30,000 views. You may even get a million because you're doing what everybody else is doing. Right.
1: Instead of creating your
0: own, Instead of creating your own content and being you. So when I say TikTok, I'm not disrespecting those who create their own content... And people yeah. about people who just want to follow what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's why we have the rap climate that we have now that's mm-hmm. why we have the baby little baby her baby your baby yeah. my baby 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 there's so many di- because yeah. nobody has an, it's an identity it's so crisis it's right. a, no it's not confusing them it's an identity crisis yeah you don't know who you are yeah you don't. So, but you know, yeah, I, so that, I mean, that's my answer to that question. Sorry,
1: but I interviewed this um singer and rapper named Akbar a few months ago. He works. For oh, Carmel. Akbar, that's my dude. Yes, yeah, so I interviewed him, and he mentioned he said we went from bigs to littles. And when he said that, I was like, "Wow!" Like I never thought about it until he put it in that context, and I was
0: like, "Wow!" Because that's true. It's the truth. That's my boy right there. That that boy is bad lyrically. He sonically. killed
1: me when he said that because I was oh, no, like. He,
0: He's a very he's a knowledgeable young dude, man. He, he knows, very, he knows. I had him okay, on my podcast well. as well. Yeah, he's very knowledgeable.
1: So I want to dive into just, you know, your albums and everybody you've worked with. So I'm going to go down the list, okay? <laughs> a lot of people that you work with. You've worked with some people, whether you've danced, open for them, Rihanna, Alicia Keys, Bruno Mars, Black Eyed Peas, Neil, Lionel Richie, Rick James, Chaka Khan. Harry Connick Jr. from my hometown, New Orleans. Ah, I mean, more day and a time. Just so many people. I know I'm missing some more people on this list. Denise Williams. I mean, oh my God. You know, so, like, how has it been just working with these different people, you know, without offending anybody? Do you have any favorites or any particular moments that stand out?
0: Oh man, I will be here all day if we do that. <laughs> I've accomplished quite a lot when it came to that and you know I pride myself on having a platinum resume in the words of Jay-Z it's not bragging it's simply the truth and I I think mainly because you know the Mars Day thing is probably the one that stands out among many because me and my brother used to imitate Mars and Jerome in talent shows and (laughs) win. so to be 11 years old and telling my mother I want to meet them one day you know, it's the 80s, you know, I'm not, you know, yeah. of course, Purple Rain, because I met Prince as well, but um, mm. the crazy part is that God. I forged more of, you know, Prince is Prince, you can't form, you can't forge a bond with him unless there's some other things going on there, but me and Mars formed a bond, so how about 20, 30-something years later, or close to that, I end up opening up for my heroes, and me and Morris today, and, and the rest of the members of the time, we've been friends, or I call them my, my Minneapolis uncles, it's been mm-hmm. Over, a little over 20 years. So, um, after opening up for them, hanging out with them, you know, Mars calling me on stage. We he never calls anybody on stage. Mars called me on stage to do jungle love with him. So it, it, it's, it's so many moments. I mean, from, um, you know, having George Clinton here, my demo, and then some summoning me to live with him and become a P-Funk member. Uh, what else? Um, Big Daddy Kane, who's always been a family friend and my number two Rhyme Idol of all time, to go from studying him and wanting to be like him to opening up for him after I opened up for Lionel Richie in Hawaii. Wow. Same thing with Lionel Richie. Going from singing Penny Love at eight years old at the top of my lungs to <laughs> doing three to four back to back shows with him in Hawaii and, and forming a bond with him. You know, it's so, like I said, we could be here all day. There's so many memories and different things, but. What I'm proud about the most is that it's just a true testament to my work ethic and mm-hmm. my own merit. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? It's a beautiful mm-hmm. blessing. And then um, last but not least, of course, you know, me making the right decisions. You know, when I chose the same backup for Amy Winehouse, you know, it's my little sis. I miss her so much. Mm-hmm. I just and knew that's what I'm going
1: to mention next. <laughs> I,
0: know, we don't, we don't, I know. I know we're going to get into that. I just had to throw yeah. that in there because you guys some moments. The mm-hmm. greatest moment for me was, you know, at the time when, when I when I met her and I was already chosen to sing background for her, and what blew my mind is that she knew a lot more about my history than even me, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. I've done her homework. She's really serious. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's just mind-blowing. It's moments like this that remind me of why I never envy anybody and why I'm glad that I've maintained the career that I have that keeps that just keeps getting better and bigger. And, you know, the most important thing is, is God, because... Mm-hmm. At the ending of the day, we ain't nothing without him. I can't do nothing without him, but I'm, but I'm everything with him. So um, the moves that I've made, decisions that I've made, have all benefited me one way or the other. So I don't have that typical story about getting burnt or getting dragged. I mean, there's a few lessons I had to learn, but nothing to the event to where I lost my sanity or my bank account got janked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Now, of course, like you said, you know who I'm going to
1: mention next obviously Amy Winehouse so unique okay her voice just everything about her like she really truly was one of a kind and I know you had the you know the privilege like you said of working with her um there was a Grammy nominated I'm sorry Grammy Award winning Oscar winning documentary entitled you know to you know have the privilege of being a part of like can you definitely elaborate about that experience and working with her because like I said she was really truly one of a kind her voice the songs just everything about her just the way she looked the way she carried herself her energy was just like she was I can't really she was just one of a kind like she was ahead of her time like I don't know like if she was that even meant really to even be with us ever you know like she just was completely different
0: a- Amy was an enigma in a good way yeah Amy, like I said at the time When I got the the gig, because the reason why I got I got asked to be a part of it, because at that point I had sang backup for Freddie Jackson, Chaka Khan and a few other people. And I was very picky about who I sang backup behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Call it what you want. Arrogant because I don't give a damn. I was very picky at that point because you got to remember when you sing backup or play behind anybody, your name is attached to that person forever. So I've always said make it count. So when they asked me to be a part of it, I said, well, I never heard of her. Let me, let me check her out. And I was kind of mad at myself because I'm usually up on everybody.
1: Yeah, and
0: right. I went to um, YouTube, saw a song called "Be pumps and I heard the obvious Lauren Hill influence. I'm like, oh, she's dope. Something about, and she got the Ronnie, rest in peace, Ronnie Spector. She got the mm, Ronnie Spector yeah. hairdo. Another legend. I said, yeah, I called the management back and said, yes, I'm absolutely down. I have a feeling I'm going to like this girl. And boy, oh boy, our first conversation was like two hours. It literally mm-hmm. went from, you know, she blew my mind. You know, she's, she was only 24 years old at the time. Yeah. And she knew so much. And then, of course, the song Rehab, because remember, the album Back to Black wasn't out yet. Yeah. The whole point of doing David Letterman was to to talk about the album release, which came out the day before the Dave Lennon performance. So mm-hmm. they did the strategy. So we did that. It was amazing. Then we did the MTV Movie Awards. And I remember, you know, Amy came up to me. Lazie, that was her name for me. Lazie. I heard your album. This is the Planned Soul Syndrome album. My first. It, it wasn't out yet because it was a demo. It wasn't even... It was At that point, I was still foolishly looking for a deal. Mm-hmm. So... When Amy said I had to open up for her, I still sang with her that night. You know, I opened up for her her twice. Mm -hmm. Amy had the number one record in the country. Mm. This was her time. She didn't have to do nothing for me. I didn't even ask her to do anything for me. The reason why she heard my music was because her boyfriend, Blake, was a fan of mine. Wow. So I'm forever in debt to her just for even doing that because she didn't have to. It did wonders not only for my career in the long run, but even in that particular space at that particular time, I was able to facilitate certain things I wasn't able to get around before. So people were really starting to pay attention to this Brooklyn hood boy that had this weird ass dope concept called Planet 12. And Amy took a chance on me when nobody else did. So um, I'm forever grateful to her. I miss her so much. My last conversation with Amy was three months before she passed away. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't even see her again. What happened after we, after we toured for a bit and did a couple of shows? Because they, um, Zylon, who's the original background singer, she kept touring with her. So she got deported. If you remember when she won the Grammy, she was already in London. They did the whole mm-hmm. performance in London, and they had a guy to look like me to kind of mm-hmm. fill in with the hat and whatnot. I only went one that a hat, so they had a guy to look like me, and it did, that that now classic clip. When she gets the news that she won the Grammy and she's in shock and she can't believe that she won. Cause Amy was really, you know, as much as she loved music, she's a brilliant writer, um, mm-hmm. brilliant guitarist, had a like mm-hmm. you said, unique, distinct vocal. Hell yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Did her homework, knew her, knew her shit. She wasn't, she told me one time, I'll never forget this. Um, I asked, I said, when the next album coming out, man, it's back to black. And I bought the first one too. I bought Frank. You no, know, Frank is even is even better than me than back to black. And mm-hmm. she said, "Ah, Lizzie, I don't know. I'm not really very ambitious. I, I, I I'd rather be home with Blakey, just cooking some food. And, and of course, I, I'm stunned because I'm just mm-hmm. like, this girl has a number one record in the country, she, <laughs> she's right. about to win these Grammys, and she would rather be home with, with her, her Blakey, as she would call her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, wow." Yeah, so I mean, those are just some of the memories of equipped of of my time with her and the conversations we had. So what I always tell people in every interview that I do, what I want the world to know the most about Amy is that that girl knew her shit. Mm. She knew music. I even put her to the test when we had a conversation. I said, "Well, in your song Rehab, you said you can't teach me nothing I didn't already learn from Mister Hathaway." Now keep in mind, Layla Hathaway is one of my closest friends. So yeah, basically, I'm like really? So you, ad- so you like Donny Hathaway, huh? She said, yes, I love What's your favorite Donny album? See, that's how I get people. I want to know what your favorite mm-hmm. album is. Like with Prince. I'm a real Prince fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Name, me a do- name me a dope Prince album that you like besides Purple Rain in 1989. Mm-hmm. you can't name anything after that, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you're not really a real Prince fan. But right. she said, and she blew my mind. She says, I, I-, I love the self-titled album, but um, Extension of a Matter is my favorite. I'm like, oh, She knows. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Extension of a Man is my favorite Donnie has album. <laughs> right, you right. Know what I'm saying? That, that has someday we'll all be free on it and all that other stuff. So um it, it, it that's what I want the world to know about her. She just was a brilliant writer, like you said, way ahead of her time. Yeah. A lot of different ways. And I'm gonna be honest with you, if she was still here, mm. a lot of other girls from London, not not counting the I love it though. Not counting the but a yeah. lot of uh, girls that try to adopt the whole I'm from London thing and I want to come over here and conquer America with my music, they wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. Amy held such a ground that was unshakable. You know? Mm. So uh, all I have is fond memories. I appreciate that around the world, they're me and their post and, you know, like I said, we just lost Ronnie Spector. Yeah. If anybody that didn't know, you know that was that was her main eye, and I had conversations with Ronnie Spector years ago. Before. My grandfather um came up in the scene together, so she's mm-hmm. a friend of the family as well. So mm-hmm. yeah,
1: wow, it's just something else. Like I said, Amy, like when she just was so unique. It's just I don't know. It's just it's just hard when you think of people like that. You know, because we only had them for such a short amount of time. But it's like I said, it's like she really kind of didn't even belong here. Like we didn't even deserve her because she was just so unique, and there's nobody like her. You know, so that's one positive thing to say. Like, I just I don't even see anybody even replicating what she's done. Like, I just I don't see it. Like, I'm not trying to be negative. No, I, mean, I don't
0: see it happening. She no, no, it's so not different. That's, can I be honest? That's not negative. It's it's how I feel about all artists who came and made their mark. Yeah, is you could be is you could be easily influenced by somebody, but there's no one anything. I didn't even like when people tried to call. Uh, Out, well, Chris Brown's Michael Jack- He there's only one Michael Jackson. He and, yeah. and and he ain't even that close, if you want to be honest. I as dope as he is, he's not even that close. I said, the thing is that there's only one Michael, there's only one, one Prince, there's only one James Brown, there's only one okay. Jimi Hendrix. You know, mm. there's only one, there's only one new addition. Right. It's you know, it's only one Bobby Brown. You can't right. You know, we are all, as artists, we are all the living embodiment of our influences. So when you see my show, if you've seen clips of me performing, you're going to see traces of all those guys at some point in the show. Because those are, those are my influences. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the goal of being an artist is to take all your influences and put it in a pot of gumbo and stir it up until your vibe comes out. Right. You know? So mm-hmm. Lenny Kravitz is the greatest example of that. Because when Lenny Kravitz first came out, it was so easy to see. I'm like, okay, I, I see the Hendrix thing. I, I see a little bit of the Prince thing, too. And I, see, yeah. I, I, I hear a lot of Beatles, too. He has this Beatles thing that he does. So, and I was right. When, mm-hmm. I, when I finally saw interviews, I was right. I said, it makes sense. I knew I wasn't off. I'm like, I got right. it so <laughs> vibe. But then eventually, as Lenny grew with albums, Lenny created his own sound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. He has a very distinct voice. That's what helps yeah. too. The more the right. more distinct your voice is, like a Rihanna, or a Beyonce, or a Ralph Tresvant. You know, these are voices that when you hear them, you know who they are. Right. Exactly. And that's to me, that's a perfect career setup for anybody. Even if you don't like them, they be like, I don't think Rihanna can sing. I said, I know she can. Sing. I, I, I work with Rihanna twice, so I know. I said, Oh, Rihanna can sing. Now you may not like her tone. Her tone may not be for you. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that let's let's be clear. There's a reason why she has nine platinum albums. Right. A lot of other artists who I mentioned don't even have that. hmm Right. Her last album was almost four five years ago now. Right. And, and she's still yeah, she's re- for the next one too. You know why? Because she's been so focused becoming a billionaire with her with her brand, with the um, with the makeup and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But she she can make people wait. She has not when you right. have nothing to prove in this game. Exactly. You know, she
1: has she has nothing to prove.
0: But that's the great thing
1: about her. And like you said, just about being unique and the mark that she made. Like, people are literally fiending for that next album. That's when you know you've made your mark, you know? They're going to wait patiently until she comes out with it, too, you know? Or, so
0: or, or my personal favorite, there was just a story in 1992, 91, mm-hmm. Motown was waiting on Stevie's record. Because you know, there was a time period where Stevie was putting out an album out every year, but by the time the yeah. 80s came on, I think Stevie got to a point and was like, okay, after 87, eh, I'm gonna take me a break. His next yeah. album after that would be, would, would be the Jungle Fever soundtrack, that's 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And Motown kept saying, where's the album? When is it gonna be done? And you know what Stevie's Stevie's response was? When God says it's ready. Mm. right now, now now, leave me alone <laughs> let, mm-hmm. let me create let me be great let me create right. the way I right that's Stevie for you there you go right. right
1: now somebody else you mentioned James Brown I'm glad you mentioned him because that's another person who he was just unique you know what I'm saying and now even like people like Bruno Mars, you know, you can tell that James Brown influence, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even Michael Jackson Prince, like the the great videos of Michael Jackson as a little boy,
0: you know, emulating James Brown. Um, Well, well, Michael Michael and Prince are James Brown's um, greatest children Mm -hmm. created. James Brown and his method created the two greatest pop stars in the history of music.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And James oh, okay. Brown is the, is the creator of funk music. So there you go. And mm-hmm. I I, th- I think that pretty much not only created a funk music, but he changed and revolutionized music like nobody else has. And even made a lot of, a lot of funk guys don't want to play jazz, but a lot of jazz guys like to play funk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a testament to who James Brown really is. And he's the godfather of modern dance because okay. until he came along, does he danced. Nobody, no, nobody Nobody, was moving like that. Nope. So it's a Not no The per- only other person that would line up to that theory would be Jackie Wilson and Joe Tex. Those are the only two. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, mm-hmm. other, other than those two, James Reigns Supreme. So. hmm
1: Definitely. And now, you know, I feel like with Silk Sonic, with Bruno Mars, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, once again, that's another... God child, you know, of this James Brown that the younger people don't realize, but that that all begat,
0: you know. Well, the- I mean, you, you got the 24 karat magic album, right? hmm. Mm-hmm. Put some perm in your attitude. That's James. That's not right. <laughs> it's my birthday. Right. Oh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. That's James. When they go to the yeah. bridge, I'm like, this is nothing but James Brown music. Right. And Bruno, and the, what I love about Bruno, you know, I've done a couple of shows, Bruno knows. That's why I love oh, him. I'm mean, like, yeah. I see what you're doing. See, a lot of guys that would have had the position he had, they would have tried to lie like they was coming up with something new and didn't want to acknowledge who the greats were. I mean, mm-hmm. Bruno gets it. That's why I love him. Yes. Because he yeah. used his pop platform. He's, he's, he's one of the biggest pop stars, but mm-hmm. he's a pop star that understands the realness. Because we're cut, me and him are cut from the same cloth. We grew up the same mm-hmm. Yeah, Leave the door open the first thing me and my uncle said, stylistics, blue magic. Yeah, yeah. It's all mm-hmm. the even the whole the bell in the intro. I'm like, that sounds like um, you are everything. Yeah. You, I mean, they, they didn't sample that, but the whole ambiance of that sound, that Philly soul yeah. sound. Hmm. You know what I mean? That that Tom Bell arrangement. That's right. you know, you know, I know. That's why I'm just like. Mm-hmm. I just shook my head, I'm like that, that boy's so smart, man. I, and I love it. I love it. A lot of a lot of the older, than old school guys, they hate it.
1: But to me, he's brilliant, you know, because just the thing that he's doing now with Anderson Pop with this whole Silk Sonic venture, it's just like, damn, you know, like it's just it's yeah. so clean and so smooth to me. And I mm-hmm. listen to that whole album. It's one of those albums that you can listen to, like. Over and over because oh. it's just so smooth and it's like the fact that I just appreciate when people like that take these old school elements, especially when you're a pop that's... star and everybody wants to hear that, but I appreciate that he's bold enough to take, you know, from those elements of the people well, before
0: that well, that's old, stuff, you know, Because, because the that's, the stuff that's, gonna, that's the stuff that's going to stand. You got to remember, I, I can easily see um, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm going to say some names. I can <laughs> easily see the Silk Sonic album and 24 Karat Magic album being played 15, 20 years later. Right. Little Dirk, not so much. I don't see that. I mean... I don't, I, I don't, I don't see that with 21 Savage, and no disrespect to those guys, but I'm being real, yeah. I don't see that. I don't see... And, and, and even and even Migos, I, I like Migos, actually. I, I love Migos, but mm-hmm. with the exception of a couple of records that they got, I don't see those records standing true to the definition for the long run of hip-hop greatness.
1: That's not, right, that, right.
0: that's not to say that they won't continue making great music or making good albums. Right. But compare a song like Straightening or Bad and Bougie to Nas' um, It Ain't Hard to Tell. hmm hmm Or Buster Rhymes' Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See. Right, right. Even Master P. Make them say, ah. Uh, yeah. It does it, it t- t- that's why it makes me laugh every time I see Because i P- I'm like, this dude came in the game and carved out a niche that nobody will ever have. You got to you gotta either love that or respect that. Them third world hustlers got it in. I'm like, listen, I dug it. No, Master P is not the best rapper. I don't care. The whole point is the energy. He sold mm-hmm. the value of what he was presenting. You dig what I'm saying? Right. That's an right. error. Even if he, ne- if he never repeats that, he doesn't have to. He's a no right. But the no limit error will forever stand. Right. I was there. I know. I remember mm-hmm. when they played, I forgot they had played, um, I was cracking up. like I was, uh, They played as Dead heaven for a gangster. I'm like, I remember when this came out, we was laughing on Amazon. But to see people that know the words or about it, or about it, about it, mm-hmm. about it, about it is a statement. Yes. It's a statement. It's yes. forever ingrained in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So hardcore. Even the, 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 the New York dudes. I, I wasn't ahead. Everybody else was. But all the New York dudes that didn't like Southern rap, they all had to bow down at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm giving your town props because you know I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, listen, you know, me and my brother was up on it. We dug, we dug Cash Money, too. We dug all of them. I said, like, don't to us. I said, because I don't need BG to be like Big Daddy Kane. BG is BG. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Blake. You yeah. know that, that, that's that's the whole thing. I love them for what they are. Same thing with E40. I've been an E40 fan since the beginning. Mm-hmm. So those are statements. So going back to So Sonic, those are statements that I can easily mm-hmm. leave the door open. It's still on the charts. It's been it's almost it's almost a year old now. Mm-hmm. Right. It's still on the charts. And I and am not the charts to end all the beards. The charts don't really matter, but how could you not get a feeling? I ain't playing no games. Right. In heart. So if you're gonna die in these up, I'm gonna leave the door open. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not feel that shit? Right. I the right. First, I just, like I said, the first thing I thought was stylistics. Mm-hmm. Russell Tompkins, Blue Magic, Ted Mills, the Dramatics, all the groups that my mother loved Black Ivory, you know, T- Tavaris. That's all I thought about when I heard that record. right? And then Fly is Me is just funkiest. It's just funky. It it's, is. Yeah. Ooh. And, and, then, and then you can't go wrong when you got my P-Funk uncle Bootsy Collins is, is throughout the whole damn album. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. If, if Bruno Mars never did nothing else in life. <laughs> right. He just got co-signed by Bootsy Collins. Right. Now you know how I feel about my heroes. If I never did anything in life I can still say, Lionel Richie is a fan of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Everybody can't say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right.
1: And, you know, and that's the thing, you know, because I'm an old head. So when I hear stuff like leave the door open, I'm like, I'm telling my kids, I'm like, your kids are going to be playing that song. You know what I'm saying? It's just like how, like people in our age generation when we hear like people that you name James Brown or just the old school like when you hear it and you're like Ooh, that's the jam you know what I'm saying same thing I just feel like songs like that like and I noticed that when I, I listen to music in a different way so when I listen to music and I, I actually asked Eric Robinson that it's so funny when I interviewed him If anyone goes back and watches the episode, the middle of the episode is actually what the conversation him and I had after we were done with the interview. I just happened to keep the camera rolling. So Mm -hmm. we just started chatting up about music. And even he said, he was like, this is really good. I don't know if you still record. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna put this in because we were just talking about music. And I asked him, do you think some people are just more wanting to hit as opposed to a classic? you know what I'm saying, that hit that's going to be on the radio for a little, you know, rotation as opposed to the classic that our kids and their kids are going to throw on, you know, I'll never forget one time when my dad made 70 years old. This was over 10 years ago because he's in his 80s, but he made 70, and I was like, let me play some old school stuff to entertain, you know, the guests, they're getting all excited when, you know, Junior Walker came on Shotgun, I'm playing stuff, stuff, and these older people were like hella excited, like, yeah, I remember that, you know, that's when me and your daddy was dating, you know, stuff like that, and I just feel like, I can see, you know, God says so down the line, like, somebody throw on like, leave the
0: door open, like, oh, yeah,
1: you know, I just feel like some of these songs now, because
0: don't have that reason, I, I'll give you a but that's the whole point because mm. he hears and I don't, I don't know how much older I am than you, or probably probably on the same age, I don't know, but um, I'll give you an example Velvet Devos Poison. That song is 30 something years old. Right. And I know you've been there. Yeah. I've been around the world, as you know, (laughs) everybody twice. Right. International and domestic. In the last 30 to 25 years of my life, no matter what club I've went to, even a party. Yeah. Even when I do it on stage, because we kill it on stage, we do all the choreography and everything, as soon as you hear that, it's the same reaction as it yeah. was when it You're first right. came out in 1990. Yep. Yeah. One that that right, right there is the definition of a classic, because it was a hit. Mm-hmm. see, every hit is not a classic, and every classic right. is not a hit. Right, that part. So e- so either way you slice it, because there are songs that were never hits, mm-hmm. but there are classics. Right. Johnny Gill said it best on the on the heartbreak album. You know the story behind that song. The last song on the album is called Boy Smith. That's so Boy Smith got the name from. It. Mm-hmm. And that was the song that Johnny Gill hated. He didn't want to sing it. He was like mm-hmm. I joined the group. I did everything y'all want me to do. I finally learned how to dance when we couldn't dance. Finally learned how to dance. I can step with them now. Out of all the songs I done did background on and did, can you stand in the rain with Ralph? Y'all give me the one song to sing to my about myself and it's this BS. Growing mm-hmm. up can be a pain. Why am I talking right. about this stuff? But he said at the time he didn't realize what Jimmy and Terry was trying to do, and mm-hmm. he said, you know what I'm gonna do? It's some political bullshit, but. I'm going to fuck this song up. So that vocal we hear on there, where he's going off at the end, when it, when it fades out, that was one take. Mm-hmm. And he laughed. He said, at the ending of the day, that song was never released as a single, mm-hmm. but it's one of the most popular songs off the album. And I can attest right. to that. I've been to every new edition tour since the beginning. Every right. time he starts off, these are the things that change, boys to the man, they start going nuts. Mm -hmm. and I know he'd be laughing like and to think I hated this damn song and (laughs) when I sing sing it now it has so much meaning than it did when I first sung because I was a young guy just getting mad about not singing the R&B ballad and they give me this uplifting keep on growing keep on turning Mm -hmm. I want to sing that but it made sense because New Edition needed a song like that to kind of show the transition from they were making from a teenage group to now some grown-ass men and who right. better than Johnny Gill to lead them there with that voice of his? Exactly. So again, never a hit. It was never a single, mm-hmm. but it's one that, it's a classic, right? Classic. So same thing with "How Deep Is Your Love" by Keith Sweat. It wasn't a hit, right? But it was, it was called the D Boy Anthem because all the all the D Boys used to roll in the Jeep just to play that record. Because the um the eight hundred eight, the way the eight hundred eight hitting the Jeeps, mm-hmm. that was the thing that that got the attention. So right. see what I mean? It was never a hit. It's a classic, classic though, and especially right. in the South. In the South, it's a classic. Right. So,
1: yeah. If I'm not mistaken, remember Prince had the B sides? Because a lot of those songs became, like you said, classic. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think Adore was not like a release single. No, 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 no. Uh, the Adore is like the ultimate love song, in my opinion, but
0: okay. I don't. I can explain that to you. Well, Adore was never a B side. Adore is. Like you said, it's one of those songs. I can name a few that in that category and it's going to blow your mind. Adore was <laughs> one of those songs that because it was just so sexy and so dope, mm-hmm. when radio stations like WBLS in New York started playing it during the quiet storm, mm-hmm. that's how it gained its popularity. Because keep in mind, Prince at that time when he came out, that's the Sound of Time album. That's my favorite Prince album. When right. he put that album out, he was already the, a bonafide pop star. So all the records he had out before then on that same album, like um, you got the look. That's a pop record. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, dope, dope song, but it's a, pop, right. it's, a pop, mm-hmm. it's a pop song. Yeah. Um, and another one. Um, I can never take the place of young man. <laughs> yeah,
1: definite pop song.
0: But then he had R and B joints on that record, like the ballad "Dorothy Parker," which was yeah. the single. But it's, but people, right. if you're a Prince fan, you know that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's if I was your girlfriend, mm-hmm. which you will see later, get over Right, right. You're, you know, Prince don't like people doing this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: No mm-hmm. Prince.
0: And then last but not least, you have a door. From what, what was told to me from the person who engineered the record, a door was done on purpose because Prince wanted to keep his RB fan base. So, and you see, that's why you see Spazz on that record, spaz on that song. He spazzed mm-hmm. on it. He killed it. He wanted mm-hmm. to give a sexy ballad. And that whole album, he only had two ballads. That one and the other one. That's it. Um, slow Love. Mm-hmm. That's the only other one, yeah. Um, not a B-side, but then you got other records that were B-sides that later became A-side because of popularity. Perfect example. Yeah. Vanilla Ice came out with Play That Funky Music, White Boy. That was the A-side. Mm. Ice Ice Baby was the B-side. Mm. and as you know ice ice baby is the record that pretty much blew him up he said because they were right. sh- they were shipped sh- sh- the records to the djs and you know back then the djs had to report which re- what song was doing good or how was the record doing and when the reports came back all the djs says yeah you know play that funky music white right boy it- it's cool we like it's-, it's all right but this ice ice baby that's a monster and right. that's um here's another one for you Gloria Gaynor's mm-hmm. I Will Survive. That wasn't mm-hmm. a single one. Wow. It was a B-side that became wow. so popular. And, and, and much to her dismay, it became so popular that in retrospect, is really her only bigger hit record. She had a couple of other hits too, yeah. but nothing really surpassed that. But again, right. B-sides. So B-sides, Janet Jackson, she's another one with, with tons of B-sides that were oh, never yeah. hit. But when she does them at concerts, people call out different things or or album cuts. Those became the, the things that you didn't find on any album. So anybody mm-hmm. who's a fan of the artist, you want to find this stuff. Right. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right.
1: I saw her live in concert at Essence. It was... Um, funny thing is, I hadn't been to Essence in years. But when I heard she was coming, I'm like, look, I need to go see Janet Jackson. You know? <laughs> and she... She's one of those people oh, who like, when I say she covered all those songs though. Like towards the end, she didn't. She didn't. She she didn't owe me anything. Like she covered all those songs you name and that we all know from the radio. You know, like the R and B heads that they play in the quiet songs. The last
0: tour, he did it the all. Last tour she did before the, the last couple of tours. Mm-hmm. even this what it made me scream. I I didn't see it coming. I usually I usually know her settlers I usually know what I, I, I know what song she got. It. I said she got. It mm-hmm. She went back to the first two Janet albums with Young mm-hmm. Love. See, you got to be a real diehard Janet. because mm-hmm. everybody always forget? People, people still think that Control is her first album. I'm like, right, no, not her
1: first right.
0: album. She had two albums before that, produced by mm-hmm. Renee and Angela, Angela Winbush. Um, right. Also, um, Leon Silvers, my mentor, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, um, the Silvers family. They produced on her yeah. records. And she mm-hmm. says, you know. I'm going to take y'all back to my. I said, what? And she started doing Young Love. I, I lost yeah. it. I, I, I'm <laughs> like, oh, she did Don't Stand Another Chance. Those were her two mm-hmm. biggest records. And mm-hmm. they weren't, honestly, they were hits, but they weren't big hits. She didn't get the right, big stuff. Right. So she did control. But if you're a true Janet fan, you know those records. Right. Like Prince. Prince would do stuff like Horny Toad, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Fill You Up or my mm. personal favorite Prince B side. She's always in my hair.
1: Oh my god, I, uh, I love that song. That
0: song and D'Angelo's version is not shabby either. <laughs> so, right. This is why I'm saying, like, see, you see, look, you, see, the fact that you know that tells a lot about you. No, oh, that's like my song. Fans, most Prince fans couldn't get past the, the um the the Purple Rain era.
1: No, she's always in my head. Like after he passed, first of all, I never forget when he passed away. It was April 21st. I'm working at this job that I did not like too much. I was like, Uh I didn't talk that much. And I remember like they used to play this station, you know, we sat in these break cubicles. And I heard the the radio person say it. And I was like, I did a double take. I'm like, Prince died. And somebody told me like, and I left work and everything. You would have thought it was like one of my family members. Somebody Mm -hmm. told me the next day, they were like, you know what? I never heard you talk like that loud. They were like, I never really heard you say anything before <laughs> well, I was like, look, I have to go. You <laughs> know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but um uh, seventeen days, that's another song like I kept listening to over and that's over. That's my <laughs>
0: second favorite B side. Right,
1: right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're right. Like I just feel like sometimes people just they just go for like the radio songs, songs or whatever. It's like that if you really love an artist, like you
0: dive in deep into their music. Uh, deep I mean that that was me at at, at nine years old. That's why my mm-hmm. influence is Guy, my friend Kevin would be like saying, Lord, got so many idols. I'm like, Well, that's what happens when you listen to more than one style of music, right? You know, right? But I have a whole lot, so I drew right. from every one of my influences, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about this album. Like I said, you and I just like I could talk about music for hours, yeah. I same here, to the album that you have coming up because I know you mentioned some of your past albums, so I know like COVID. You know, it was crazy in the beginning. It's still crazy now, but especially for musicians that were touring and things like that. So I just want to ask you, like, number one, how did COVID affect you as far as, you know, touring and things like that? And then I just definitely want to talk about the new album you have coming up.
0: Um. Well, I mean, like like mostly all the other artists, my shows got canceled. So, but the blessing, see, this, I'm very spiritual in case you didn't recognize. But, um, you know, I don't question God. I don't, you know, the thing is for what could be the capacity to deal with whatever we're dealing with, God is still faithful. God is still God, no matter mm-hmm. what. And of course, I was fortunate that it didn't affect my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still in mm-hmm. my money. And the fact that it allowed me to do two things that my fans have been asking me to do for years. I finally started my merch. Mm-hmm. it been waiting. Yeah, I never had all the years I put out the records and stuff, but I didn't have any merch because I see to me I believe in quality. I want to take my time. I'm not, I can go, I can go to a factory just just put anything on a shirt and then sell it to you. But I'm not doing that. My right. fans deserve my best. If I'm gonna give you a shirt, I'm gonna give you a shirt that you can be proud of. Mm. You know what I mean? And it worked mm-hmm. because um the merch flew up the shelves. It flew mm. the first week. And then I started my podcast because all these years, everybody be like, Lord, you need your own radio show. You're such a historian. You got all these great stories about people you work with. And I started my podcast, the Plantsville podcast, which I only do on IG Live because attraction mm-hmm. is fast. And we build such a camaraderie and a community on there. So I've had everybody on my show from Vanessa Williams, Queen Vanessa Williams, excuse me, mm-hmm. <laughs> Queen Vanessa Williams, Chucky Booker, Lisa Lisa, Kwame. Um, Big Daddy Kane, Cece Peniston, Kenny Lattimore, I had I had all my Cody's on there. Um, mm-hmm. Nokio from Drew Hill was one of my best friends. Um, Nokio, mm-hmm. I had Case, another one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, during the pandemic, we did that, and then I released my third album, which is Mega Dope Maniac, which features um the song She Can Get It mm-hmm. with my Minneapolis uncles, the legendary Jellybean Johnson, who. Mm. Wrote Black Cat for Janet Jackson, produced it as well. Wow. And Monty Moore from the time, the only white guy in the crew who wrote, If you were here tonight, <laughs> Alexander O'Neill and The Pleasure Principal mm. for Janet Jackson. Wow. These are my these are my uncles for over 20 years. So to have them wow. on a the record, and plus we also had the legendary Tony M from New Power Generation. I brought him back. Mm. Wow. Tony M. think about it. Tony M hasn't dropped the verse since the symbol album, since Sexy Mother... Wow. After 20-something years and more, I brought my big bro back to the forefront on this record. So people was like, that's Tony M? I'm like, yeah, he's back. I'm like, yeah, he's back. So that's, wow. that's the best. That's, that's on that album as well. So um, The new album that I have coming out, which will be coming out um, probably in late February, early March, is going okay. to be called Humanity 101. This is going to be my mm. social political record. Wow. Everything that I wanted to say as a, as, as a son of a Black Panther mother, I have mm-hmm. a lot to say. My mm-hmm. militant stance doesn't change no degrees, no matter how much success I have. So I figured if this is my opportunity to do a what's going on kind of album like how Marvin did, this will be yeah. my opportunity to do it. And wow. I moved full throttle with it. I pushed it back several times because I kept writing so much stuff for it and coming up with a lot of other concepts for the record and things like that. But that's the next project. Along with four other projects I got coming out um, before the year is over. So we're working. We're working. It's a lot. Wow. wow.
1: I have definitely enjoyed talking to you. Like I said, I could talk about music all day long. I love having artists, musicians, creatives on this show. Before Thank you. we end everything, like this has been great. Like we definitely have to link up again. Before everything, hey. Let me know. I'm down. Let me know. Because, I, like I said, I could talk about music all day. Like, I really could. And I just, like I said, I'm going to have to email Katrina some my links so you can watch some of these interviews. Like, I, you would love it. Oh, please do. So, before we get everything, though, please tell everybody how they can find you on social media. Tell them about how they can catch a podcast. Just everything. Just tell everybody how they can connect with you. And how they can That's buy you your
0: merch, course. Absolutely. Um. Well, um, on Instagram, I'm at Planet12 Law. Twitter, same thing, at Planet12 Law. My YouTube channel is Law Planet12. And of course, on Facebook, I'm face- facebook.com slash Law Planet12. My music is available on all digital streaming platforms Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, you name it. Of course, just type in L asterisk A asterisk W. Um, the three albums are Planet 12 Syndrome, the Planet 12 Live Sessions, and Mega Dope Maniac. Those are three albums that I have currently available out there. As far as the merch go, if they want to purchase Planet 12 merch, they can hit up Evie at Closet at gmail.com. So that's Closet at gmail.com. C-E-L-I-E-S closet at gmail.com if they want to get the merch.
1: Man, thank you so much. Like I'm not I know I'm gonna be singing She's always in my head. Like that's gonna be in my head literally all. Day.
0: That song never gets old for me. I could to that song five times in a row and never get tired of it.
1: It doesn't. And if you look on YouTube, which you've probably already seen it, because I know you're a Prince fan, he was it was either it was an Arsenio Hall show. Remember when Arsenio came back for like a brief time? there's a when he was oh, on yeah, it, he was that. Just oh, killing yeah. the guitar and you know it was just like because that show was in like that late 2000s or whatever and like he played that song and it was just like oh my god so
0: like I said I'm, I know you already seen it <laughs> like, oh yeah I mean it's safe to say I pretty much own every Prince performance at this point I, I pretty much like I told you I met him mm-hmm. one day I'll tell you that I told the story in this book called Continued Thanks it's a book about um, people who met Prince and they talk about their story so I have I have the first full um chapter of that where I tell the story of when I met him and the whole bit and my relationship with Mars Day and the time and Andre Simone and all the guys that um you know that he that he worked with they had in his band so. Wow
1: that's one regret I have in life that I never saw him live that's why like after he passed in particular like that's one thing I miss you know, the whole thing with COVID, like after he passed, I was like making a point to go to concerts because I was like, I'm not going to miss that opportunity ever again, you know, so that's just one thing. I know this is so off topic, but that's just one thing I just oh, it's cool, it's cool. that I never saw him, you know, perform live because I mean, I just can't even imagine. You,
0: you had to be there.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't. I think I probably would have passed out <laughs> if I ever was in the same room with him. Oh, there was a whole lot. There
0: was a whole lot of that. <laughs>
1: I don't think I would have made it. <laughs> like I said, I like I have truly enjoyed talking with you. This has thank you. been thank great. You so much, thank you. Such a good conversation. So guys, just please go ahead and find log and just go check out his music. I just and just for people that's listening, go ahead, make yourself a playlist. And I'm talking just, I mean, throwing a bunch of some old school just stuff like like we said, throwing those classics, those songs that you know. It's going to be a hit when your kids pull it up, when the grandkids pull it up. Just go ahead and enjoy some music after you watch this conversation. And go ahead and also, shameless plug, go and check out some of my past interviews with Eric Robeson, Raheem Devine, Akbar, just so many great musicians that I've talked with. Like I said, 80 Empire, they were great. I could talk to musicians all day. Music is just something that just makes you happy. It sings to your soul. It's some good medicine for your heart. And especially yeah. right now, you got a good playlist. Boy, it just can really lift your spirits and put that energy. Thank you. you. So y'all. Enjoy some music. After to listening to this conversation, go search a lot of these legends that we talked about. Go and listen to some old James Brown. I mean, him alone will hype you up just listening to James. Just go ahead and throw on some music. You can catch this episode and many more. www.theqchat.com. You can also. Listen on all streaming audio platforms and you can watch the episodes on YouTube. That's go queen TV. So guys, make sure you be safe and go love yourself. Amen. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent. You're a queen. You're a queen.